kids come tough. I mean, this is a resilient group of kids. Mm -hmm. They've always proved that. You can see that just Duquesne, Pitt. I mean, we have great programs here in Pittsburgh, and it's nice to be part of one of the best. I think it means that the college soccer scene here in Pittsburgh is going to get better and better every single year. It bodes well for the game and the college game here in Pittsburgh. Welcome, everybody, to the Pittsburgh Scholastic Soccer Show. I'm Mike. Joining me, as always, is our Pittsburgh soccer professor, John Krasinski. John, what's new? Hey, you know, just it's November. It's cold. <laughs> There's snow on the ground in the middle of Pennsylvania for high school soccer games. So, uh, But this, this, the beat goes on. It, it, it definitely goes on, and especially this time of year, it seems like a lot of teams are starting to wrap up. Um, their season, um, you know, you start. You got some postseason awards going on. We got some tournaments to talk about. So uh, a, a lot, a lot going on. You you stirred some controversy, which we'll we'll get here uh, to at the end. <laughs> let's uh, let's dive right in. Um, let's talk about the college teams. We obviously had a show a little bit earlier this season where it was mainly college focused, um, mm -hmm. but uh, now that their seasons are wrapped up, we'll sort of hit this rapid fire and go from there. First one up is the Pitt men's team. Uh, they ended up finishing eight and ten overall, two and six in ACC play, taking down three ranked opponents and beating longtime rivals WVU and Penn State. Unfortunately, they lost in the first round of the ACC tournament against number 21 Notre Dame. Now, John, you talked to Coach Vidovich after their 3-0 loss to Akron, um, I think with three games left of the season. So let's, let's take a listen to that. A couple of questions on the game. Obviously, um, you know, second minute of the match, and you're down one nothing. That was probably not what you were hoping for. Yeah, probably in reality we were probably like six six down because we we're you know five five starters out and then you give up right. a goal like you said like that was a kind of a comedy of errors and that was a big problem and you know later on in the half you lose your captain that's uh, that's that's another yeah. we're, we're behind the eight ball to, you know all along um, I think it was a interesting one because. It, I think it shows just where the program is, is that uh, we're, we're not complete. When you lose a Paul and, and a Javi and a Bryce and, and Marconi's, we, we don't have those same, that same talent level you know, to, that we need to have to compete in the ACC or with Akron's in the country. But I think it was also interesting to see a bunch of guys who, until we get that second goal, you know, we're in it. Yeah. And uh, pushing it, and I think we, t we had more opportunities and better and cleaner chances than they did. So. It's it's a strange one where you know you're, you're proud of them. There's efforts, but you can see that our consistency wasn't there. Our, you know that they hadn't had enough experience throughout the year of playing uh, to, to carry the team. But they still have their moments. Yeah, and you talk about not having those five stars. I mean, the end of that match the other day against UVA was seemed was very physical. It was a lot of you know. I mean, it was yeah. just a hard fought yeah. ACC battle. You, I'm sure you've, you've been through 20 years of plus of those. So, yeah. I mean. Is that something that this program is still like the long season and getting, you know, like not having enough depth? And, uh, is that, well, yeah, you know? we're, I mean, what, you know, everybody asks, you know, where are you at in your plan yeah, yeah. and this and that. And it's like, you know, we're, we're behind in a way, you know. The success of the team this year, if you can call it that, we, we feel we've left, you know, games on the table, whether it was Duke or yeah. Ohio State, James Madison. So we think we could have had a couple more wins. But the bigger thing is for, to build the program. We we've got to improve that depth. You know our you know uh, the numbers in, in, in the program. We we just have to keep improving. That's yeah, all. it's just so many freshmen and sophomores and a lot mm -hmm. of new players that you did bring on board. Yeah. I mean, the fact is that you know you've thrown a lot of them out there tonight. Um, a lot of them have taken 
picked up key roles for your for yeah. your team as well. So to go through a stretch like this, maybe yeah, even it's, it's a good it's, money. As I said, it's 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 a weird one. We lost three zero. Um, I'm still I'm excited with some of the moments that they had, and that they they show they can you know they play like they don't have the experience they don't they you know just putting you know having a pole next to some of them tonight would have made them much better and more confident so it's uh, that's a big part of it that's a big part of it but you know going forward that's that's the next step for us. A couple of players just to, uh, wanted to get your thoughts on. Obviously, Alcalt's performance tonight. I mean, it was one nothing for a while for a reason. He seemed like he made a couple of real big saves. Yeah, yeah, we're we're happy with that. That you know he's been, he, he's come up with a couple of saves. He did the same thing at UVA. He came up with you know two saves that we thought you know that that's what we're looking for in an ACC uh, goalkeeper. So happy with that. Um, you know his game. Uh, yeah, his game keeps improving. So that's and that's key to it. And Bryce went down there at the beginning of the second half, I believe. Um, is he okay? Or it was in the first. It was in, in the first half towards the end there, and uh, that's that's to be turned. We've uh, you know the medical's been with him. MRI's tomorrow. We'll just have to see. It's, it's wide open. Yeah. What does he mean to this team? I know. Obviously, have the final game on Friday, and yeah. you know, hopefully, going. Well, I mean, it, it just you can just see you know tonight when when everybody else was like a bit panicked and. Question whether we can do it or not. He just led and just and by his play alone settled the team. His leadership there, his quality, his play was just fantastic tonight. Um, so he's our leader, he's our captain, and everybody knows it. And I think, you know, in the locker room at halftime, there's a little bit of inspiration because people saw our captain injured, you know, needlessly. So uh, he's a big part of, of what we're trying to do, and can't thank him enough for all his efforts and leadership. All right, thanks, Coach. Thank Appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. All right, take care. Thank you. So, some great stuff as always from Coach John. What uh, what were some of your takeaways from uh, from talking to him? Yeah, you know, at that point, let's put ourselves into that point. There was uh, the final non conference game of the season. They had just lost to Virginia one nothing on the road in an overtime game. Uh, there were I, there was a red card. There were like three or four yellows. They had five or six players um, that were going to be sitting out the Akron non-conference game, which, you know, OK. Um, but the, the Virginia loss was sort of the, uh, you know, they had been playing so well all the way through October, as you mentioned, um, beating you know a number of ranked opponents, Columbia, another non-conference, but then just the big ones were like beating Notre Dame at Notre Dame. I mean, it was like the program had resurrected, and all of a sudden they were beating ranked teams. It was there was a certain level of belief that well they're going to continue this this form into at least and be very competitive um, and get into the ACC tournament and and really do some good things. And then all of a sudden they lost that one game, one nothing to Virginia in overtime on a fantastic goal i'm sorry i think it was two to two to one against virginia um on a fantastic goal in overtime and then you know they, they lose three nothing to Akron, but they don't have five or six players but what was fascinating about that was this interview with coach um where he's saying he said to me at that point with a one more game left in the regular season and then the acc tournament upon us um, asked me where we are as a team and this and that, and um, and we're way behind as a program. And I was sort of floored by that quote at that time. 
thinking, oh, well, you know, they could bounce back. They get they get another they could get a third ACC win. They could get they were still at that point um, under a 30 um, ratings RPI, like basketball ratings percentage Mm -hmm. index. They were actually in contention for an NCAA bid, um, you know, legitimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they had a winning record. They were eight and six at one point uh, there, and then the loss of Virginia, the loss, you know, the Akron. Uh, so he, there was just, there was all this confidence. They did they, they lose three nothing to Akron, a very very good program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he says to me, you know, we're you know, we're not where we are. And, and then he's, you know, but he, he, he adds to that and he talks about the fact that they were without starters mm-hmm. um, and that really good programs can just, you know, obviously when you think about, you know, the more common people think about like Alabama football, you know, next man up or, you know, the third or fourth guy off the bench is still as good as anybody they have on the starting 11. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the same thing here. I think, Vidovich knows he's he's coached the national championship program, um, so he knows to get Pitt to that next level, uh, the depth has to come. I mean, there's been there's some terrific players that he's brought in brought on board, some really good freshmen, sophomore, um, a few contributions from upperclassmen. Um, you know, one obviously Bryce Cregan and uh, and um, you know Marie Kill, uh, both of them center backs this year were solid, um, and then that game, you know, of course. They lost Bryce Cregan as well, and that was a devastating blow. Uh, the you know it was just a devastating blow that you, game. You could hear it in his voice um, mm-hmm. that it was just like how crushing it was to lose him. And at that point, when you talk to him, I don't know if whether it was known or not that he would basically be done for the rest of the season. But um, how important Bryce was to this team, um, it's mm-hmm. very clear uh, in that interview. So yeah, that's that's tough to see. You you talked about you know some of the some of the young talent he's brought in. One thing to note is we knew going into this season. We talked about this last season with it being coach's first season that this is going to be a process. We keep stressing this about Pitt men's team, but to see the progress, um, the the program continues to grow, develop. The good news is four players on the team this year received all ACC honors this week, and the accolades were the first in the program's history since joining the ACC in 2013. So not too shabby. Um, but uh, you know, shout out to junior Yavi uh, Perez, who was named second team All ACC. Senior Pol, uh, Polenas, sorry if I'm screwing that up, was named a third mm-hmm. team. Freshman Alexander Dexter and Edward Kiza were also named to the All Freshman team. So um, yeah, good Dexter stuff. was the. Dexter was on a roll there. He, I think he scored in four or five straight games uh, playing up top. Kizza, too, up top. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Perez Perez is a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, just just a terrific uh, player. Um, freshman, you know. Um, so so they, they, they're, they're some good players. I think he just has to, you know, add to that. Um, the other thing I wanted to add was, you know, I did go to the last two regular season games, and there was definitely a sense of excitement. The fans, uh, the the, the, the Stands were packed, even for the last Friday night game. And, you know, mm-hmm. Friday nights in Western Pennsylvania is a football thing. But mm-hmm. just, to, just to look around Ambrose Urbanic Field and to see the stands completely packed. I mean, wall-to-wall people uh, in and around the standing room only area, too. So there's definitely a sense of excitement for Pitt men's soccer. Mm-hmm. And that was really great to see. Yeah, I I don't want to say I was shocked, but I saw your tweet and you had like two separate pictures looking to your left and to your right, and I was like, wow, yeah, there's there's a lot of people there, so that's mm-hmm. that's really really good. Um, mm-hmm. On the flip side, uh, you have the women's team who unfortunately went 
3-12-3 this season, 0-9-1 in ACC play. They decided to release head coach Greg Miller. Um, you know, we, we talked a bit about the local talent that's been building there. You know, what do you think this means for the program moving forward? They haven't yet uh, named a replacement. They said they're going to do a nationwide search. Do you think yeah. that this hurts the program, or, or do you think that a fresh start is potentially what they need? Yeah, I think it's it's what they need. Uh, I think Miller just, you know, last year it, last year was not, I think, just this year proved that last year really wasn't an aberration. Aberration, You know, they they went and made coaching changes in the offseason and didn't get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that tells you what you need to do, uh, that they were they were definitely uh, behind the eight ball. They, you know, it, it was it was Miller's team. It was his recruits. Um, and Heather like, you know, pit AD, I mean, this is what she's here less than a year now. Um, she means business, obviously she, you know, you're not going to win at pit with all the upgrades in the, in the facilities, the, just the enormous upgrades that that program has, the the entire athletic department Mm -hmm. has seen at pit. And you see the hire of Jay Vitovich, you see what that means. Miller's time was and it's like Kevin Stallings and some of these other people, you know, they're they have to win. And that's you know, it's that's just big time college athletics. And that's where that's where we're at. So it'll be interesting to see. That was a nice win they had this year at Duquesne. We mm-hmm. we saw that I saw them at that point that there was a little bit of momentum going there. But they did have a few injuries, but it just they just didn't have the depth. It goes back to what Bidovich was talking about. Yeah. You know, they're just they're just not at that level. And in the ACC, it's. You you've got to be a deep, strong program. So it'll be interesting to see who they hire, uh, they, who they bring in, and uh, it will be fun to watch if if it's uh, well. We'll see who it is. Yeah. Um, and then the other piece that we'll talk about probably the next time we get together on one of these shows is the whole recruiting. Um, you know how that local pipeline is is gonna things are gonna play out. There is a player we'll talk about later, um, uh, Waynesburg Central, who is uh, going to pit. Uh, but again, we'll see what happens with all these commitments. Yeah. They keep their commitments or not with new coaching staff coming in. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye out for. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on, let's talk about, you know, quickly, Duquesne. The men's team, not a great season. Uh, they went 3-13-1 overall, 1-7 in A-10 play. The women fared much better. They went 11-6-3 overall, 7-3-1 in A-10 play. They lost a heartbreaker in the semifinals of the Atlantic 10 Championship off a 97th-minute golden goal by LaSalle's Madison Bauer. Um, ended up losing that game 2-1. to one. Watched the highlights of it. Looked like an exciting game. Looked like the women really had a chance to, to pull it out and then just to get snake bit there in the dying minutes of, uh, of regulation to force overtime is tough. Coach said, obviously we're disappointed to have our season end this way. I'm really proud of the team for battling today. LaSalle is a difficult opponent, and this was a tough game. We were just one minute away from advancing to the finals, but we didn't close out how we should have. This most disappointing – or yeah, this most disappointing thing is we're going to lose our seniors who helped build this program. However, we're still excited about the future of Duquesne women's soccer and where the program is right now. So, unfortunately, you know, not not – going far in A-10 play like they have the past few years, but uh, still exciting things to come from from Duquesne's women's team. Yeah, um, and just real quick, there's two um, core players that will be seniors next year who are the, basically the foundation of a lot of the success. Um, you know, obviously Katie O'Connor, uh, the keeper, um, you know, uh, that's that's without, I mean, sorry, Katie O'Connor, the the it's become the all-time leading scorer, 
Uh, and then Kira, Mur- Kira Murphy, uh, the key goalkeeper, who's I think posted her 30th shutout. So that's that's just that's what uh, you know to have those two coming back next year and a lot of other really good players. Um, I, I liked what I saw from a lot of their underclassmen this year too. So uh, I think that, you know they're they're top four A10 every year. Mm-hmm. That's all you can ask for. And then they get on a run like they did two years ago when the A10. Um, that's really all you can ask for. So I think Al, uh, Coach Al Alvini has done a great job there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about Bobby Mo, uh, Robert Morris a little bit. Mm-hmm. The men finished things 4-10-3 overall, 3-3-1 in NEC play. They'll kick off NEC tournament play on Friday against number one ranked St. Francis Brooklyn, a team the Colonials lost to 3-1 just a few weeks ago. So best of luck to the men's team as they start tournament play. I think last time we talked, they were winless. So, you know, to, to get some conference wins um, is fantastic. The women, they similarly finished 6-11 and 11 overall, 4-4 four and four conference play, so 50%. Finished on a bit of a tear. They won their last three games with a combined score of 8-1. to one. So, you know, putting some behind the net and keeping them out, which is fantastic. Sophomore Christina Kelly was named to the first team All-NEC. Um, junior Jane, uh, I'm going to screw this up here, Slesher, I'm sorry if I butchered that, was named to the second team. And freshman keeper Sydney Brucker was named to the All-Rookie team. So congrats to the girls there. Um Quickly, we talked a little bit about WVU on the last show. Uh, just an update on the women's team. They are currently ranked seventh in the nation heading into the NCAA tournaments. Um, they stayed in the top ten all year, which is fantastic. They ended up getting a number two seed for the tournament. They're going to face Bucknell on Saturday at 1 p.m. So this will be their 18th consecutive consecutive season in the tournament. Um, so, you know, here's hoping that they can go all the way this year after coming just short last year. So best of luck to, uh, to the WVU women. Um, I think that pretty much wraps it for the college stuff, John. I know that uh, you have been busy, busy, busy um, covering mm-hmm. the high school stuff. Yeah. Eight games Fun. in three days at uh, Highmark Stadium for the Whoopio Finals. Um, the attendance numbers you posted I, I thought were fantastic. Thursday, 1,500. Friday, 1,600. Saturday, 3,700, which, um, you know, I don't know if we were pushing 3,700 for the majority of the Hounds games this season. So that's that's great to see. Yeah, and it's all day. It's four games on Saturday, but still, yeah. I mean, that's close to a thousand a game. And uh, but the, but the, the last two games, we're talking, you know, from one end of the stands to the other, pretty packed. Yeah. Um, I I was actually a little disappointed by Thursday night, just because it was two big quad A programs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Peters and North Allegheny. Um, it was a, I mean, it was still pretty well attended. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a We've seen the quad A game a little bit more packed in recent years, um, I, particularly that that Fox Chapel uh, Cannon Mac game on the Friday night two years ago was just just I mean the and the atmosphere for all those games this weekend were great the fans the the student sections just the excitement that uh, comes with the Whippeal Finals is is just second to none in terms of you know if you're if you love soccer and you're from this area. I think it's just it's great to go check it out, uh, catch a few games if you can. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to to all of the uh, 2017 Whippy Old Champs. In the boys, 1A was North Catholic, 2A was Shadyside, 3A was Montour, 4A was North Allegheny. For the girls, 1A was Greensburg Central Catholic, 2A was Waynesburg, 3A was Moon, and 4A was Penn Trafford. So congrats to everybody, everybody that competed in the tournament, especially to the winners for pulling it out. John, you were there, like we said. What were some of the highlights mm-hmm. for you from, uh, you know, the, the I guess the three days of games? Yeah, I guess, you know, I can't go through the uh, our notes here without 
uh, I see you put put it down. Um, yeah, on a personal level, I mean, to see two programs that I was involved with uh, as a coach, uh, North Catholic um, and then Shadyside Academy, both winning their first ever Whitfield titles, uh, two very, very different programs for, for sure. Um, but winning uh, winning Whitfield titles was a little bit surreal for me. Um, but of course, you know, we we kind of saw it coming with North Catholic. We We saw that you know, I was there back in the Troy Hill days when, you know, you could barely scrounge together a roster of 13 or 14 players uh, and hope you stay healthy and hope you win four or five or six or seven games. And, you know, we did my two years there. We did win. We had a one six get six win season. And I think we had a five win season. Um, so that wasn't that was like, you know, a little, um, you know, uh, a pat on the back. You know, that was a, it was a nice smiled accomplishment for that mm-hmm. program, but, but nothing like obviously once they moved up to Cranberry and uh, they've, that program has just really taken off. And it's interesting to see that freshmen and sophomores were leading the way this year. Mm-hmm. So the, this step program is going to be there for a long time. I think they're going to be a, a key player in, in one a now what'll be interesting to see is how enrollment, you know, how they do with enrollment, um, if their enrollment goes up a little bit, do they push up to two A to three? You know, we'll see over the years. But they're in a, they're in that corridor where you have Mars, you have Seneca Valley, you have North, you know, Pine Richland, North Allegheny. All those they can pull from all those different areas mm-hmm. um, and build a, a, a solid, a lot of solid sports teams. Um, but soccer is a, a, definitely a hotbed up in that area. And if you've ever been up that area, um, even if you you know driving along. Um, um, trying to think that by, by Mars High School there they have all those soccer fields and mm-hmm. it's just it's just a, a huge so- soccer area so so yeah so that was a little bit surreal and then Shadyside Academy I mean the uh, program that I was more recently connected to um, it's in my backyard I live up near not too far from there um, so no knew a lot of the kids see the difference with St. North Catholic a lot of the Shadyside kids, at least they were family members or kids that uh, that we knew um, that I've known and I've seen play when they were little, uh, whether I was coaching their brothers or coaching them or coaching in some, you know, uh, club program like Arsenal or with Shadyside. So just to see that that group of players uh, and a coach that I'm very familiar with, too, uh, to win a title like that. And and as um, um, inconceivable as it was. To win a title on not well, it was you know my reporting might be a little shoddy because it was it was definitely <laughs> a bicycle kick to at the end of regulation of about a minute left in uh, in a two to one game. Uh, Quaker Valley, coached by former Pittsburgh Riverhound Andrew Marshall, um, and they're holding on to a two one lead. They pretty much it was the game was in their favor most of the way, but as Eric Wolf comes in. Uh, they're just a specialist uh, t- with the throw in and he throws a ball up about as high as I've ever seen a ball thrown uh, land somewhere near the on the front, uh, the near post side of goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's headed over towards the far post. And then uh, Wally Navid, this uh, he's a junior now. Uh, I've seen him. I remember him when he was a younger player and when he was eight or nine or 10 years old watching him play. Very skilled kid. Uh, just bikes it and he and he nails it and it, I mean the keeper sort of goes to his right and then he gets kind of caught off guard and he's got to go back to his left to try to save the the bike and, and it goes in and it's just 
it was unreal, surreal. And then, of course, that just ties the game. And then they go into overtime. And there's a few more times I'm watching. I'm saying to myself, Marshall, Quaker Valley has to be prepared for these throw-ins. And mm-hmm. sure enough, another ball towards the near post area, a redirected header. And and, and the second time, Navid's going. He's he's biking it. He's he's right on target to bike it. But then. Uh, Adrian uh, Beckford comes through. It, it's close. You can't tell whether whether Navid's foot hits it or Beckford's head hits it. You can watch the replay. It's on YouTube and it's on my site. You know, and the gifts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just it's hard to tell. But uh, so yeah. So it was a bicycle kick. It looked like it was going to go in that way. But either way, it was just I've never ever in all my years of covering and coaching and being involved in the game. I've never seen a game finish like that. And Marshall after the game was, you know, if you know Andrew Marshall, uh, you know that he's uh, he's more of a, uh, he's quiet. He, he'll give you answers, you know, like uh, very uh, polite and, and he'll give you short answers mm-hmm. and right to the point. Um, but you can tell he was sort of smirking as he was trying to explain how his team just lost. And he was just sort of like, Kind of laughing about it in a way like we we just lost on two long throws yeah uh, and it was it was something else yeah so lots of fireworks um <laughs> and and i watched the video afterwards you posted on twitter as well where you talked to uh navid and and uh, the guys from shady side and it was it was it was something exciting to watch something to see you know they talked about sort of the pride of from now on they'll have sort of that one little star over their uh over their crest and it's it's the start of something special for this program and hopefully for mm-hmm. years to come so uh so really really great stuff um the stuff that movies are made of um, yeah you know and there's so many stories i wish i could spend more time i really don't want to i would love to but there's just i would say just you know re- go to my site and see all the different stories behind the eight different winners and mm-hmm. Just, just so many fantastic stories and exciting moments, and and programs winning Whippeal titles for the first time, programs winning, you know, back to back, teams that have played each other. It was just so many different great stories. Yeah, and you know, it it gets to the point of the Whippeals really being something special and something difficult um, to to win. Um, and you actually talked to Alex Hobbs, who was Montour's head coach, after their championship win, and he sort of echoed that sentiment. Let's, let's well, actually, take... this interview, and this is a point I want to make, this interview with him was after they had um, gotten into the finals. And oh, he was okay. so excited, and I just, yeah, you'll, well, we'll, we'll hear it out. So. Yeah, yeah, let's take a listen. Mm-hmm. Hi, Coach. Uh, obviously, pretty uh, intense battle. You guys, I, in my, from my view, it looked like you guys had better play for the most part. Um, but... You know, I think they they kind of battled back. Yeah, well. I mean, it's like high school soccer. They're both yeah. teams were. I mean, you got to be athletic. You got to move the ball. You got to win your one v one battles. That's really what it comes down to. Um, I thought we did a nice job adjusting to their pressure, getting the ball wide, and had a lot of runs down the the, the edge. Um, so that was our whole goal was to try to get it spring us wide, bring the ball back across, get something working. Um, we said. We said in overtime, we said we want to celebrate the passer. It's not about you know being selfish. It's about who's the guy that can give the ball up in a tough situation for someone else to finish. And that's identically what happened. And funny enough, Brandon Wagner, yeah. the guy that passed it, is one of the most selfless kids we have on a team. So, um, yeah, it's been – we lost to them 2-1 in double OT last year. Yeah. So we knew um, – we, we felt like we didn't play our best in that game. And they were obviously – 
a tremendous squad with yeah. you know they, they got they got great guys everywhere all these guys are really good friends with them from club yeah, soccer sure. and everything yeah. so and I've known the McKenzie's forever right so at the end of the day we're I mean we're ecstatic um, we knew you know either way it went as long as we worked our our butts off we were gonna be okay with the result um, and, and if we could play our game um, keeping the ball on the ground which the conditions today did not allow that completely but um, Nonetheless, the result went our way, so we're happy about that. Yeah, you said that you know that last play. It was just a matter of like it was seemed like a mad scramble in the box, yeah. but just to be able to poke it over. Yeah, Brandon was real nice. He settled it, and then I saw our one center uh, defensive mid was in there, and he actually jumped to allow the ball to go backside to Gunner, um, who then finished it nicely. So it was uh, a lot of awareness on that play, a lot of anticipation. Again, some of the keys of the game we talked about. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you play these bigger games, you don't know much. You're you sometimes get back on your heels, you're trying to wait and figure things out. And we told them just, we'll live with results as long as you go at them as hard as you possibly can. And mm -hmm. we did that today, so I'm really happy for them. And they were a team last year that got on a roll, but they, they had to, they, you guys were probably their toughest test to get to that point, um, one of the toughest tests. But yeah. this year it seems like maybe, you know, you guys get, I mean, obviously West yeah. A or whoever you play. Is right, yeah, tough. West A is tremendous. Self we, we knew coming in that um, we, we felt um, and all the other coaches, we're all, we're all good friends. So we talk a lot. We're like, hopefully South Fayette, Montour, Char Valley, yes, South uh, and West yeah. A are not in the same bracket. So right. this semifinal can work out for us. And uh, so it did. We got what we asked for. Uh, I, you know, I, for me as a coach and, and with this team, we talk about being on a journey. It was only right to play Char Valley to, yeah. to move on. You got to earn your rights to move on. You got to beat the best. And we did that. And then again, for your program, I, is this the first time you've made it to the First finals? time ever into the finals. Yeah. Um, the, these seniors are on an incredible run because uh, two years ago, we actually were in a, uh, the quarters, lost to Mars. We had a three-goal lead and ended up losing. We, we learned a lot from that. Our season was over. Last year, lost in the semis, ended up making states. Um, so this was our progression as long as, you know, we, we talk about it all the time that this is not, these aren't isolated events, they all add up in the end. So as a coach, we want to learn these lessons and, and bring these along as we go, because otherwise th this is a useless journey if we're not learning as we go. Nice to have probably five or six days, well, between games now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know, I don't know what they're, what's going on with the West Day South Fayette game, but I know the way those teams play. They're, we're limping out of here, Char Valley's going to be limping, those other two teams. It's yeah. it's a battle in the Whitfield. Yeah. That's the that's the fun of it. A lot of people outside of Pittsburgh don't understand what Whitfield soccer, Whitfield yeah. sports in general, but yeah. I mean, these close-knit communities, everybody, you saw a great crowd today. Yeah. Um, it's it's so special. I mean, I it, it's something that's been, you know, I always tell them maybe I'm small-minded, but winning a Whitfield is like the greatest dream of mine as a coach. Sure. So, sure. so really great stuff from, uh, from Coach Hobbs. Um, yeah, you know, basically, maybe I'm small-minded, but winning the Whitfield is the greatest dream uh, of mine as a coach. Um, that that pretty much sums it all up right there. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah, special it competition. And I think, you know, we've talked about before, I don't know if it was on this show or if it was on another show, about sort of trying to make Highmark Stadium this sort of mecca of soccer, um, you know, youth, uh, pro, all of that in the area. And it, at least from what it seems like on the outside, it feels like it's starting to become that a little bit, at least in terms of the Whippeals. Is, is that sort of the sense that you're getting, you know, having been there for the past few years for this tournament? Oh, certainly. No doubt. Um, I felt it, you know, my first couple of years, I, I was at, at Highmark, I maybe went to one or two games and just, you know, because I was still a coach and mm -hmm. I, you know, there, there was still, I don't know, I just, I wasn't as involved um, in, you know, in the, on the media side. Mm -hmm. um, and, 
but the first year was 2015 when I when I we went that Thursday night game. I'm sorry, it was a Friday night game because it was back then they were only playing six. And as I said, between Fox Chapel, obviously my son was playing in that game mm-hmm. um, and Cannon Mac. But that there was just there was a buzz in the stands that night, and it was a really great doubleheader because Norwin had played, um, I believe, Upper St. Clair in the game before that. Uh, that Norwin team, you know, which, you know, again was one of the. They were just such a great team uh, and such a great challenge uh, from Upper St. Clair. So that year, so it was just there was just so much excitement in the stands that night, and, and I think it's carried over. Um, and then you know they used to have Championship Super Saturday. And it was at Elizabeth Forward years ago, and it would just be all day long. It would start like at nine in the morning, and they'd play until you know eight or nine o'clock at night. Um, and obviously, that was a tradition that's now carried over to Highmark Stadium, but it's spread out over three days. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, great stuff. It's always a great event. Um, congrats again to all of the winners. Uh, now that the Whip Wheels are over, that means that things kick off to the uh, PIAAs, which actually kicked off on Tuesday. Uh, the latest scores, John, you have them all posted over on your site. We'll run through some of them really quick. The boys 4A, Peters Township beat Erie McDowell one um, nothing. NA beat Pine Richland 5 nothing. And then you move on to the 3A where you have Montour, uh, West Allegheny, and, Set- and Cathedral Prep are all moving on. Boys 2A, you have Quaker Valley, um, Beaver, and uh, Shadyside Academy are all moving on as well. And then in the 1A, you have North Catholic, uh, Dubois, and Springdale moving on. In terms of the girls, uh, the 4A NA uh, won 2-0 against Penn Trafford. The uh, NA will now face Norwin on Saturday um, at a site and time to be determined in a rematch of the Whippeal semifinal played last week, which was a 2-0. It'll be at Fox Chapel. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. No. It'll yeah, be at Fox it was Chapel. announced today. Um, which uh, you know, will be a repeat of the 2-0 Norwin victory um, from the Whippeal semifinal. Norwin won 4-0 over State College, so the Norwin program continues to roll. Girls 3A, uh, Mars, uh, Villa Marie, and Moon all won. Girls 2A, Waynesburg Central and Carn City won. And then in Girls 1A, Shadyside Academy, North Catholic, and Greensburg Central Catholic all are moving on as well. So congrats to all of those teams. Uh, best of luck as you continue play through PIAs. Uh, that's another tough tourney, but uh, it's always good to see local teams go the distance there. So congrats to all of those teams as well. Yeah, um, so that'll be Saturday will be the quarterfinals and all the games, if except for maybe one, are going to be at noon and two o'clock. So um, if you're going to head out, I know that the only games I know for a fact that will be local, like real immediately local, will be double headers at Fox Chapel at noon and two and then at moon also at noon and two. So the quad A teams are all playing the local quad A teams are all playing at Fox Chapel. I, I know that um, on Saturday. Good stuff. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's let's move on, John. You uh, mm-hmm. you were stirring the pot a little bit here. Um, there was there was a post that you put out over at PittsburghSoccerReport.com, all about uh, high school referees and the and the current state of affairs with the high school referee situation. And so the original post went out on October twenty second. And the background is really you were at the first round playoff match between Plum and Upper St. Clair. Um, I'll let you go ahead and take it from there. And sort of <laughs> what, what led to this article and, and, and where, we, where we go from here? Yeah, it was not. I mean, you, it, it could very easily easy to say that it was a knee jerk reaction based on this game. And, it, and but I preceding even uh, 
talking about this article, my tweet, um, I think, accompanying it was this was something that was years in the making. You know, mm-hmm. having been a coach uh, at high school level from the mid 2000s, mm-hmm. uh, having watched those officials, even at you know other levels, middle schools, and just the the way that they run that system of a three whistle system had for years, for years, uh, had just been just irking me and just like this is this can't be possible and the more you see the game evolve at the youth level the more you see the game evolve at the club level and the more you see the game evolve obviously the college level has always been officiated you know differently um more closer in line with the fifa uh, style of, of you know one center referee and two um linesmen which you know, that's the way it's done all yeah. over the world. And and just to clarify for people, because, you know, I've I've been a little bit disconnected from the high school scene um, for a little while now. And when I read this, I went, wait, what? It's a three-whistle system. So just to clarify, basically mm-hmm. at the high school level, you have a situation where you don't have lines judges per se. So anywhere else in the world, you have a center ref who has a whistle who makes the calls. And then you have line judges that run the lines, basically call balls in or out. They'll call off sides, things like that. But they don't have the power to necessarily stop play aside from getting the center ref's attention to then stop play. This is a case where you have basically three refs on the field running at the same time. Each has the ability to stop play um, Mm -hmm. and you don't have any lines judges. Um, So it's a very different setup than really anybody that watches any professional soccer um and you know as you mentioned even club soccer and and some of the youth stuff they're not doing this three whistle system so um it's it was it was born out of you know a different time in you know in american soccer Mm -hmm. it was born out of necessity um, and it continues out of necessity. And for some of the good points that uh, some people did make after my article was posted and the enormous response that it, it generated, mm-hmm. um, a lot of there was a lot of great feedback, even from officials, um, officials that are frustrated with the system, officials that are continuing to do high school games, um, who also may do other you know soccer officiating, um, who are frustrated with the game. It's just. It was finally like a point. I had to write something. I said, I have this forum. It's time. It's this has to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we watched Plum lose a game. I watched Plum lose a game where, okay, so yes, the final play was decided on an off a, a goal that looked from our angle, from my vantage point, I'll leave it at that, uh, looked like clear offside. Some. Most people in the stands, most people on the other side, uh, almost everyone agreed that it was there that I talked to from, you know, obviously there were people from Upper St. Clair where they were the opponents uh, that one ended up beating Plum in overtime to get the winning goal that, you know, obviously it was they were willing to send me video and things like that sideline. I guess he's not a linesman, but he was clearly at least five or six yards behind the play. So he was not in position to make that offside call, at least a better position. Um, it, you know, it, obviously the center ref d- didn't see it. Um, there was a plum defender that was sort of hanging back, maybe a little deeper. Um, but everything that I've seen, um, it's still the, the player from Upper St. Clair snuck through way before the ball was played through. So, But you know, it, we can argue that's a judgment call. Ultimately, 
Um, but the concerns that I had were more about the three whistles. Um, you know, I was sitting there with um, a player, somebody who's played in the English Premier League, um, who's coached, who I've coached with, uh, and we were both just sitting there just astounded. Well, not astounded, but just seeing what we've seen for the past decade or so, the both of us, at this level of officials who are not fit, who can't keep up with the play. Um, as the playoffs kept going on, I, I kept noticing teams with speedy outside uh, wing wings and outside backs or anybody who get up the flank. Um, refs, a lot of the refs can't keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that last rep on that one side, how critical it is for them to be on, you know, in line with the last, second to last defender. You know, mm-hmm. that thing. I'm not a, an expert on officiating by any means, but that you can just see. And it's just the fact that they aren't that fit. They're older. Um, you know, we I've dealt with a lot of these guys over the years. There's a lot of that sense of, well, you know, this is the way it's it should be, and this is the way I've always roughed the games, and, and we want officials that are willing to learn and willing to, you know, to understand the game. And I've sat in some of those uh, meetings pre before the season starts, and a lot of times the head of the officials will say, okay, this is not we're not playing by FIFA rules. This is the way it's going to be, and they would try to set all these coaches straight. Uh, and, you know, you had a room full of coaches, of uh, high school coaches. You have that incredible mix. You have some guys that are have coached at the very high level, the club levels, have coached, you know, all over the place. Um, and then you have some that are just sort of like the high school, you know, teacher. We got, kind of got thrown into coaching the soccer team. There's still that kind of var- var- uh, variety of coaches that, are, that still exists. So, um I think a lot, the core group of officials that have been around forever have been dealing, were used to dealing with a lot of the coaches who weren't necessarily uh, soccer educated, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, licensed soccer coaches. But you're starting to see those licensed soccer coaches start to make their way into the high school game as well now, too. And so there's a huge, <laughs> you know, conflict of uh you know, you've got these kind of referees that are doing things the old school way. And then you have coaches and um, obviously players that are playing the game at a, at a rate of play that is that the officials can't keep up with. And it sounds like, you know, the lightning rod for this was that offside call. But clearly <laughs> this is not the offside call was not the only thing that led to the creation of this article. So I think people need to sort of not focus on that as much as the systemic problem. And this is a problem mm-hmm. that we see, I, I shouldn't say everywhere, but a lot of places where you literally have a case of um, an, an, an embedded aging um, uh, group that is basically trying to continue doing what they're doing and you don't have a pool of of young talent that's coming in and trying to, um, you know, help take place or take their place um, and and help grow the 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 pool of refs that are available. I mean, reading the the comments from from the one ref that you did post, mm-hmm. it sounds like a situation where like a they don't have numbers, b mm-hmm. they're worried about recruiting numbers, and mm-hmm. so in a lot of ways they're they're he made it seem like they're trying to do the best they can. And you can understand with, you know, in some cases where you have refs that are doing three or four games a day because they just don't have the numbers to cover everything. That's a systemic problem. Um, And how you go about fixing that, I I don't know. But I think that your approach to 
let's put this out there. Let's discuss it. And clearly there were tons of comments. A lot of people were talking mm-hmm. about it on Twitter. I think that's exactly the reaction you want. I mean, in mm-hmm. your mind, what? how does this resolve itself? Or, or is there not an easy way for this to resolve itself? No, I, it'll be tough. I mean, I'm sure it'll be tough because of the some of the things some of the officials were pointing out of there was recruiting or they felt like this this story, you know, the, the one uh, gentleman felt like this story uh, was would would, um, you know, turn people away from wanting to become officials, that that sort of thing. And then there was always there's also that discussion point about dealing with the difficult parents and mm-hmm. coaches and, um, you know, that sort of that side of it as well. And, uh, you know, these officials look. Even in the original story, in my original column analysis, whatever you want to call it, I, I made a point to say that, you know, it's not necessarily the fault of the individuals that are actually doing the games. Right. Like you said, it's systemic. Uh, there's an issue here that's greater, a uh, bigger, bigger problem. Um, so let's not I mean, yes, just that, you know, they should we should see we want to see things better we want to see uh you know more fit officials we want to see um you know we want to see, be able to see that that the game be officiated with linesmen yeah um you know these are some basic things like i don't know i mean i would think that what's the next step you i think it should be go to the, the piaa mm-hmm. um if people i know coaches have in some shape way shape or form form have I don't know how formal they have gone to this. Um, there are now. It's interesting because across the United States and 50 states um, and all the different high school associations, they kind of have free reign as to each um, governing body can uh, determine how they want to do things. So, say for example, in California, I believe Southern California, Northern California high school associations are, are governed by two different governing bodies. I believe so. So, I believe both have. Um, you know, the traditional main referee and two linesmen. Like, there are a lot of states now. I think it's only a handful that still subscribe to the three-whistle system. So, yes, it's changing across the country. Uh, we're, I guess, behind the times in Pennsylvania, uh, which is, you know, we're a large state. We um, boast a lot of great soccer players that come, come out of here. Actually, you know, maybe one of the most exciting soccer players, um, you know, come out of this country maybe ever, is, you know, was born and raised in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if he was, you know, his. So that's I mean, this is my point. I mean, we, we can do better. We can do better. We have to we have to, you know, I will continue to write not I will try not to demean the current officials that are trying and doing their work, but I will continue to address this um, and get, as I said in the story, get this conversation started in a meaningful way. Um, we've got to move forward. We've got to move forward because this is this is not good. And we, you know, most importantly is the health and safety of our play of the players involved. So that was the biggest issue that uh, the gentleman and I that were watching the game together. Um, it was the it was the retaliation fouls. It wasn't it was some things that the officials were missing. They were they were a little behind at times, um, too. We were just we were just concerned about that as well. The safety of the players. But at the end of the day, I watched eight games this past weekend. And I thought. The officials, 
didn't really decide the outcome of any of those games. So, um, but there were issues last night, I guess, in one of the state playoff games. Uh, Seton LaSalle, um, I didn't see the exact exactly what happened, but there was apparently a, a huge issue with officiating in their three to two loss. So, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you know, in in the comment, you know, how the 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 gentleman who wrote to you saying that he was afraid mm-hmm. that this would turn people away from refing, I had almost the alt, the opposite effect. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. like my oldest son is ten, and I read mm-hmm. that, and I kind of thought like, hey, I. I should go ref high school games, like like be part of the solution and, and try to yeah. get out there and do stuff. Um, so, I, yeah, I, it's it's gonna, have, I was gonna say it's gonna be a tough one to crack, um, but uh, I think you're on the right track here. I think just, there, there are people that we know that I know, obviously I know, but there mm-hmm. are people that we know that are involved with the Riverhounds or mm-hmm. uh, involved in our communities that are high school officials, and mm-hmm. they they see this, they they responded. A couple of them were like. You know what? I, I might want to do this anonymously, <laughs> right. but and even some coaches. I was I felt sort of vindicated, especially once I started covering. I covered. I you know this was a first round. I wrote this after the first round game, mm-hmm. so I had a chance to. I was covering some uh, quarterfinal, semifinal, you know, and then obviously the finals games. So I ran into coaches, and coaches were just so appreciative of the fact that the conversation has gotten started, that people were talking about it. Um, that there is maybe some hope that um, you know that that some more pressure can be put on the, the PIAA that changes can be made uh, at least in, the, in in Pennsylvania. I mean, I guess that's that's sort of my my last question as it relates to this. You you sort mm-hmm. of started the conversation. What do you think? You know, if people agree with your stance or if they disagree with your stance, what do you think? is needed to keep the conversation going or what do you think the next step is to hopefully take this you know a step further beyond a conversation into potential action yeah generally i think it's there's some point when the piaa or or even just you know post uh season there's going to be the coaches get together and um they have their meetings and things like that so hopefully this is this is continues to come up um and I think that's really the next step. It's it's the people that are involved in the game are saying, look, this is going to continue to be a lightning rod situation. People in the media will talk about this, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, parents are becoming more educated uh, fans and, and really, you know, hopefully they're doing that from a distance <laughs> and not getting too involved. But but everyone that follows the game is becoming more educated, more un- have a greater understanding of the game. And it's only going to force the issue. It's only going to get people like, look, we've got to we've got to make changes for the better. Um, and I think one of the biggest issues is going to be recruitment. And so I think there should be uh, a positive push. And that goes with the coaches that comes from the communities, you know, the work that the Riverhounds are doing um, right now. Um, and getting out into the communities to to grow the game, and I think that also coincides with growing the game uh, and getting younger officials. One thing you'll notice, Mike, I, I'm sure you're familiar with this, is when you when you obviously when you when you're at the youth level and you're and even at the community level, a lot of the organizations will train young, 12, 13, 14 year olds yep. to officiate the little peewee or younger kids age groups and and so on and so forth. And there is a system in place. It's not 
idea. But but these kids at some point, you know, maybe that if they're we're grooming young kids to be officials at that age, how come that you know we should be able to draw them into uh, as they become older and adults or they stop playing the game, but maybe they're in college or, or, or young adults and they could they could officiate. The money is pretty decent. Yeah. Um, I know one of the officials made a point that said that the money might be an issue, too, because I think all three guys get paid equally. And one thing we didn't also mention is that they switch during the games. They switch the three guys switch places, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that, that's that's got to change. Well, so, and it, it leads to inconsistencies. I mean, the the we've talked about this, you know, across the board. That if you can't have a game that's called um, fairly, at least you want one that's called consistently, so that both teams know what they're up against. Mm-hmm. And you start switching in refs mid game, and it just it it throws everything to the wind. And that's when you start getting all sorts of crazy calls that you know one team feels like um, they've been cheated, whereas you know another one doesn't. So it's yeah, I agree. And it's a good conversation point. Maybe we have this discussion further in other podcasts. Mm-hmm. Maybe we bring officials on, we bring people on to this show, and we talk about it. Um, maybe we address, you know, from the media side, we address, we go directly to the PIAA and say, well, what, what's your plan going forward? Yeah. What, what are you guys going to do about it? And that's really my next thing. I, if I was able to cover PIAA, finals and Hershey, um, you know, I'd be all over that. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's one of those things. It sounds like it was almost like this silent plague where everybody was thinking it. And now that you said it, it's just going to mm-hmm. open up the floodgates and more people are going to feel, um, vindicated in such a way that they won't be afraid to bring it up as well, because you've now made it clear that you're not the only one that thinks this way and they're not the only one that thinks this way. So let's have the conversation. So kudos to you for, for bringing it to light. Um, and uh, hopefully this is just the start of something that honestly, I mean, it's, it's only going to continue to help the growth of the sport in the area. So the, the more that we can keep increasing the level of play, the more that we're going to demand out of everybody that's involved, and, and it's just going to continue to, to keep that ball rolling. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm, let's, let's, get, let's keep it going. Let's talk to some people. Mm-hmm. We can get some refs on here, get some coaches on here, get their thought and continue the conversation because I think it could be a really good one to have. Yeah, and messages, um, I, I haven't been able to respond to everybody, mm-hmm. but I will, I'm in time, I'm trying to, and I appreciate, I just want to let everybody know, I do appreciate uh, all of the feedback, I'm continuing to gather everything, and there will be additional uh, things I'll follow up with um, on my end as well. It's the price of fame, John, you're famous well, now. <laughs> not like that, but just, you know, just to get this, yeah, it's great, it's great to see people are so passionate. Right. That's really that's what it cut, comes down to. The amount of responses and passionate responses, uh, and ultimately for what we're just talking about, because people want us to see improvement in the game, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's I think that's part of why we do this. That's part of why we mm-hmm. do some of the other shows. Is this is why you have your site is to help continue yeah. the growth of the sport in the area. And so this mm-hmm. is just sort of one of those things that uh, that we need to sort of harp on and, and help change. So yeah. Good stuff. Um, so I, obviously, if anybody has any additional thoughts on it, um, you can um, head over to pittsburghsoccerreport.com. Uh, John has his Twitter stuff there. You can comment on the posts, be part of the conversation, um, and uh, and we'll see where this thing goes. Otherwise, I think that's pretty much it. John, are there uh, any other games you're going to be heading out to check out here anytime soon, or are you going to take a break? 
Well, I'm going to try to get out to uh, maybe one of the quarterfinals on Saturday. I have a pretty busy day. Uh, and then maybe, depending on what the semifinal, state semifinals look like, I might get out um, one of those uh, games as well. Other than that, just, you know, doing a lot of uh, laying low in some respects, but also really keeping up. There's going to be a lot of things going on in the next month or so, um, I think, with the Riverhounds and, and some other things, but at the high school level too, getting kind of getting caught back up with all the recruiting and everything. And also I do want to mention that, um, and you'll start to see this more in the next couple weeks on my site. Um, I do have an affiliate uh, partnership now with Adidas. So I, anybody who's a big Adidas fan or likes to purchase Adidas, um, sh- you know, new, new kicks or uh, sweats or just any kind of gear, Adidas gear, um, we will have links to all of the uh, stuff, especially with the holidays coming up. Um, if, you, if you're interested in anything Adidas related, um, just go to pittsburghsoccerreport.com first, um, and then you could, you'll be able to get some good discounts and things like that on Adidas gear. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, mm-hmm. get your holiday, holiday shopping done through Pittsburgh Soccer Report. I'm, I'm all in for, for that. Um, and Mongols too, you know. You've got <laughs> some 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 cool gear over there as well. Ah, uh, we're we're working on it. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I think that's pretty much it for the show. Thanks everybody, mm-hmm. as always, for listening. Uh, as John mentioned, you can find more great local soccer news over at the Pittsburgh Soccer Report. That's pittsburghsoccerreport.com. For more soccer podcasts like this one, head over to the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm. Otherwise, thanks everybody. Have a safe and happy off season for those who are still competing best of luck. And uh, we will talk to you all very soon.